You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. You know, I still enjoy the carols. Do you? There's something uh, nice about them. We sing them every year and you'd think that they kind of get old, but they're kind of old and new and nice still, and I appreciate the carols very much. It was a beautiful night, the night that Jesus was born, and we have been looking at, uh, through this little Christmas series that I, I, uh, I started calling it Christmas Fruit, just, I, I, I didn't even really mean it to call it that way, it just sort of came out and then it kind of stuck, but we've been looking at the, the, uh, some of the themes of Advent and beyond the themes of Advent that... Uh, qualities and things that Jesus brought to the earth when he arrived that day and that we saw in his own life that connect to the fruit of the Spirit. And so we've been lo- we, looked at, uh, we looked at kindness, we looked at peace, uh, we looked at love last week, and today I wanted to look at gentleness, the gift of gentleness. Um, gentleness is... Uh, Something that we actually don't talk about a lot, but I think that, uh, at least I hope, that by the end of today, you're going to appreciate gentleness much more than you did when you walked in this morning. And in faith, say yes. It's going to happen to you, all right? So just get ready. So the gift of gentleness is this quality that we see in, in Jesus. We, we see it in the Christmas story as well. It's, it's this beautiful picture, right, of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and he makes his entrance into the world, and it's this lovely story that seems, that seems rather gentle on the outside. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit that should be growing in the lives of all of us who, who are temples of the Holy Spirit, that, that it, is, it is a quality that should be growing in our lives. So we live in this world today where gentleness isn't respected uh, a lot. It's actually, gentleness is not even understood very well. And, um, but it's, it's such an important quality that we need to value and we need to let it grow and build in our lives. Because here's the deal. Here's, here's, the, here's my, uh, my, my line in the sand that we need to get straight today. Biblical gentleness is not weakness, it's actually strength. Biblical gentleness is not weakness, it's strength. And uh, I I hope that uh, I'm going to be able to clarify that for you today. Look at Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 to 3, and it says, Look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. But he will bring justice to all who have been wronged. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and just look at the list of the fruits of the Spirit again. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Just as an aside, uh, this, is, this one's for free, but when you're looking at the fruits of the Spirit, the order is not random. And you, you can see the first three, love, joy, peace, are like things that God gives us. And the next, the next three are are qualities that are in us that we display to others. And then the last three are things that we have in our own lives that we need. Uh, uh, that, sorry, that, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, I, I messed that up, didn't I? But there's, there's, a, there's a pattern there of the three and the three and the three. And when you see faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control as the last three, it's because they relate very strongly to each other. In fact, gentleness 
and self-control are, 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 are almost intertwined with each other. And uh, hopefully I'll explain that to you this morning. So the word translated, so first, what is it? What is gentleness? What are we talking about when we say this word? The word translated gentleness, it was used to speak of many things. It, it, it described a light, cool breeze. You know, on a, on a summer day, and you go, oh, it's a lovely, gentle breeze, right? We use that word to describe things that, that, uh, that is our common understanding of the word gentle. It was used to describe a tender person, a pleasant person. It was used to describe somebody who has balance in their life. A very balanced person was a gentle person. But the word meant actually a lot more than that. Uh, look, at, look at these verses here, Matthew 11 and verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He uses this word yoke, it's an interesting word, but gentleness, this word gentleness was also used to describe a horse or, or a wild animal that had, been, that had been made tame, that their wild sort of uncontrolled nature had been brought under control. When you, it, the horse was no longer wild, the horse was now gentle, and they would describe a horse uh, as gentle, uh, an animal that had been tamed. And he talks about a yoke, meaning, the, think about back in the day when you were plowing a field, you'd put a couple of ox together or a couple of horses together, you'd lash them together with this yoke, right? Now, here's what the yoke does. The yoke is used so that the strength of the animals... It's not wasted, it, but that the strength is focused and channeled in the right way for it to do a job, for it to be useful, for a purpose to be accomplished, right? So the whole idea, he's, he's describing gentle. Gentleness is that word. So he's saying gentleness is actually power under control. It is, it is strength that is directed for a purpose, this is what gentleness, biblical gentleness actually means. It is power. Just remember this, power under control. Just say that with me. Power under control. That's what gentleness is. So some, when we say the word nowadays, we, some people think it's weak. It's a weakness. Uh, that y- you can't be gentle in business, so you get run over, right? It's a, 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 it's a wimpy person, someone who has no backbone, who can't stand on their own two feet. But it's, it's not true the way that the Bible describes gentleness. It's, it's actually the opposite. It's power under control. It's power under control. So you see this meek and gentle Jesus coming into the world. But let's remember, he's the same guy who kicked everybody out of the temple. Remember? He's the same guy who showed incredible strength, incredible determination, incredible conviction, incredible courage to do and to fulfill what? The purpose of the Father, right? Strength under control. Strength that is guided towards a purpose, right? This is gentleness and the right, correct understanding of the word. See, even that day when he gets angry at the temple, when people are selling and making a mockery of God's house, he he comes in and he kicks them all out. But you see, even, even when anger is the appropriate response, and by the way, that story also shows you that it is possible, we always think anger is wrong and sinful, but at times, anger is right and appropriate. Even in the life of Jesus, you see it, right? Now, sometimes we have a hard time keeping our anger right and appropriate, but at times... It is the right and appropriate response. So, but even in it, so what I'm saying is, even when anger is the right and appropriate response, gentleness keeps it focused in the right direction, right? Gentleness applies even force in a correct way. That's why he described it as a balanced approach. It's a gentle approach. It, it helps to keep you, your anger balanced 
that you won't let it go too far. You know what I mean? It keeps your anger in check. That even when your kid drives you nuts, your gentleness keeps you in control. It's power under control. Gentleness. Power under control. Jesus was gentle. If there ever was a person who walked on this earth as the greatest example of power under control, it was Jesus himself. He was always submitted to do the will of, of, of his Father. He came into the world uh, at, at, at Christmas time that we remember. He lives this perfect life and he saves everybody from their sins and he accomplishes his purpose and his mission for, for arriving here. That his strength and his power were not wasted, but very directed towards a purpose. See, gentleness was also used, get this, it was used to describe a kind of conduct on the part of people who had strength and power to do what they wanted, but they kept it in control for the sake of others, right? This is real gentleness. See, if, if all you are is gentle, that's one thing. But if you have power and strength and authority to do whatever you want and you're still gentle, that takes it to a whole new level. You with me? It's power under control. That's real gentleness. Power under control. So gentleness is really important because it's, one of, it's a fruit of the Spirit that brings us under God's control, right? Gentleness and self-control are so closely related. But just like they use gentleness to describe a wild horse who got tamed, right? Our, our relationship with God, listen, what does he do? He takes our sinful nature, he transforms our wild sinful nature, right? And he transforms us into a person, people who are now controlled by the Holy Spirit, right? It, it, is, it is a quality that we need in our lives. It is a fruit of the Spirit that brings us under God's control. Gentleness is a powerful, powerful thing. The order, like I said, the order of the fruit of the Spirit, it's not random. And you see our strengths and our weaknesses need to be harnessed. They need to be directed. They need to be purposed in a very a clear and unselfish way. See, the wild horse left to his own devices is a strong beast, but he, he's here and there and he's wild and he's uncontrolled and his strength goes for naught. But when the strength is harnessed, when the yoke is put on and he's directed towards a path, all of a sudden stuff gets done, right? That's us. That's us. We have to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And gentleness is one of those things that helps us do that. It's not weakness, remember, it's power under control. So, how is it formed in us? How do we, how do we get this? How do we grow in this? How does it happen? I was thinking about basically two things. One, uh, that God teaches us gentleness by being gentle to us. Look at Psalm 103, verse 10. It says, He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For His unfailing love towards those who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to His children, tender and compassionate to those who fear Him. Look at Isaiah 42.3 that we already read. He will not crush the weakest reed. This is, this is the suffering servant passage prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus arrives. And he, he's, he's so clearly talking about Jesus, right? He says he will not crush the weakest reed. He will not put out a flickering candle, but he will bring justice to all who have been wronged. How can you bring justice if you're weak and wimpy, right? But his, his power and his strength, and his power under control, so that even he doesn't snuff out, right? He doesn't break a weak reed, meaning he doesn't hurt broken people. We all 
can feel that way at times, right? Weak and vulnerable and guilty. But he says he, doesn't, he hasn't come to, to snap us. He hasn't come to snuff out the little bit of life that you have left. He comes to bring justice. He comes to bring hope. He comes to bring all of these qualities that we see, right? So our, our strength and our ability can be harnessed in this beautiful way. But he teaches us to be gentle by giving us an example of being gentle to us. Look at one more. Uh, um, actually, let me just say this. When Jesus was described as gentle, as he's not going to crush a weak reed or put out a, a flickering candle, there's so many examples of that in the Bible, like so many in the New Testament, um, when you're looking through the life of Jesus. I just jotted down three. I could have I written, I could have put down six or 10 or 12, but here's three real, real clear examples of him showing us how to be gentle. The first uh, that I wrote down is John chapter 4. You know the story. Uh, we'll read a little bit of it. But it's the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus and the disciples are cutting through Samaria. And the disciples leave Jesus alone at this well. He was tired. He was hot. He was thirsty. They went in to get some food. And he was all alone. And a Samaritan woman came to the well. If you don't know... First, uh, men don't talk to women in that, in that kind of a setting. And a Jewish man definitely did not talk to a Samaritan woman. It was absolutely taboo. But here we see Jesus sitting at a well, and a Samaritan woman comes to get water. And uh, here's part of the story. John 4, uh, verse 15 says, Please, sir, the woman said. Jesus is talking to her about water. And, I, and she, he says, uh, give me some water. And, and he, she says, why are you asking me for water? And he says, woman, if you only knew, if you only knew who you were talking to, <laughs> if you only knew the water that I could give you, you'd never thirst again. And she says, please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Here's, here's gentleness on display. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you've had five, and you aren't even married to the one you're living with now. You certainly are speaking the truth. And then the story ends? No, you know the story. Don't wait for the movie, read the book. Read the book, people. Read the book. Open the book. Read the book. Read the book. John chapter 4, you'll see this story. So what happens is Jesus displays, I can't go into it, but Jesus displays this gentle touch with the Samaritan woman. And he talks to her about salvation. And the word says that salvation came to her house that day. And not only that, but to all the people of, of her village came out to see Jesus. He stayed with them for a few days, and he explained and shared with them the love of God. He could have responded to a woman like that in a much different way. His response to a Samaritan woman who was of questionable character was gentle and calm. It's a great example of how he dealt with people Think, uh, here's another example. Remember the, uh, the story of the woman caught in adultery? It's uh, John chapter 8, put that up for me. Uh, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. No one knows what he wrote. Everyone always talks about what he wrote, but he just writes in the dust. It's kind of a weird response, right? They kept demanding an answer, so he finally stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and started writing again in the dust, right? When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, just a little shot here because they were smarter. They picked it up quicker. Just saying. Beginning with the oldest, 
I went, yeah, right, walked away, you know. Until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and says to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I, but go and sin no more. Isn't that this beautiful, gentle power under control? He doesn't say, you deserve, you've been a bad, bad person. You, you know, he could have done a lot of things. They, that's what they wanted him to do. They wanted him to do something crazy. They wanted him to overreact. They wanted him to say something outrageous. And what does he do? Power under control. When he says, let the one who's without sin throw the first stone, do you under, I mean, do you get, he's the only one who was sinless. He was the only one there who could have thrown a stone. But he didn't, right? He's gentle and tells her she is not condemned, but he says, but he gives her the little, don't do this again. I happen to believe that she walked away deeply changed, deeply changed. There's another one that I wrote down uh, in your notes there, Luke chapter 19. Look at this one here. Jesus entered Jericho and he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, this, this very refined, dignified man who had climbed a tree. It's crazy behavior right? He calls him by name, looks up, calls him by name. Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down, man. I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus quickly comes, uh, climbs down the tree. He takes Jesus into his house with great excitement and with great joy. But the people were displeased. He had gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated anyone, if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded. Look at how he responds. Salvation has come to this house today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. It's a really cool story. We always think it's some little Sunday school, little kid story, but it's, it's a really cool story. People hate this guy, Zacchaeus. He's a cheater. Tax collectors were allowed to take as much as they wanted. As long as Rome got their cut, he, he, he could take the rest. And so he's an absolute traitor. He's a Jew working for the, for the Romans. He's, that's bad enough, but then he's cheating people. He's just a despicable human being. Like, these, this, you have to understand, tax collectors were, they were like the mud under your feet. That's how people considered them. They were just foul, outrageously bad people. That's how people thought of them. There was nobody, hardly anybody worse than that. And he says to Zacchaeus, hey, come down from that tree. I want to go to your house. That's a pretty cool invitation. Zacchaeus takes him into his house. He clearly, he clearly is completely transformed, and his life is changed, right? Jesus doesn't condemn these people. Think about, here's one example. Here's another one just off the top of my head for free, but think about the day that the night that Jesus was betrayed, okay? They have the Last Supper. They're eating together up in the, up in the room, and all the disciples are there. And what does Jesus do? He takes a towel. He takes a basin of water and he bends down and he washes the feet of all the disciples, including Judas, who got up from that table just a few minutes later and betrayed him. If that is not power under control, I don't know what is. Almighty God, who could, who could do anything he wanted, the mighty lion of the tribe of Judah, bends down and washes 
the feet of his disciples. Gentle power under control. He never treated these people like their sins deserved. He, he came with gentleness. John 3 says he came into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world. That's what it says. So Jesus is gentle to this outsider Samaritan woman. He reaches out to the immoral woman who had lost her way and is looking for love. He's, he's not afraid to spend time with the dishonest, self-centered scum of the world tax collector. He's not afraid. Because why? His mission, his yoke is on him. His mission is to seek and to save the lost. And these people are lost. And they're part of his mission, part of his heart. And he responds to them with gentleness, power, such power, under control. See, his gentle touch and his, his strength that just must have emanated from him when he were in his presence. It's, it impacted these people in such a powerful way. His example of gentleness, when you study the life of Jesus, that's why you got to read the book, people. It teaches you that gentleness is important. It's just as simple as this. If Jesus did it, I should do it too, right? Look at how Jesus deals with people. Look at how Jesus treats people. The only people that he didn't treat with gentleness were the hypocritical, the hypocritical religious legalistic people that were driving him crazy. Everybody else, the worst people of society, he said, come, come. The prostitutes come. Come, the tax collectors come. The lepers come. Those who are broken come. Come. You're going to receive my gentle touch. This is how we dealt with people. We don't do this well enough. We don't do this well enough. This is a fruit that needs to grow in our lives. He teaches us to be gentle by being gentle, right? The other way that he teaches us to be gentle, and this is the hard way, but he teaches us something about gentleness through difficulties, through difficult people, through difficult circumstances. You know, I remember, uh, I think it was grade seven woodshop, and I was making a whale or something stupid, you know, in school. And um, I thought I was done, and I showed, I showed it to the teacher, and he said, it's all rough. I said, what do you mean it's all rough? He goes, take some sandpaper and smooth it out. I was like, oh, that's a good idea. I never thought of that before. And I, I had that, that, that flash in my mind uh, this week when I was thinking about this. As I was thinking, just like a rough piece of wood needs sandpaper to smooth it out, sometimes we need friction. Sometimes we need resistance. Sometimes we need challenge and difficulty to, to, to teach us something in order to make us better, in order to to improve something in our lives. Like, how are muscles made stronger, right? They're made stronger through resistance, right? They get bigger through constant resistance. They get stronger, they're developed when resistance happens. So, the Holy Spirit wants to grow this, this fruit in our lives. And sometimes... He does it through challenges and difficulties. Have you ever met a difficult person in your life? You're blessed if you haven't. Think of the challenge, okay? Just think of a difficult person that you've met in your life, just for a moment, okay? Just think of the challenge that that person represents to you to grow in the area of gentleness. Just think about it. This is not a person you want to be gentle to. I know it. No lying in church. This is a person who needs the gentleness of God. And maybe that person's in your life 
to teach you something too. Sometimes he uses challenges, difficulties, people to teach us and to remind us how to be more like Jesus, how to grow this fruit in our lives. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. It says, again I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with, say it with me, not just patient with beautiful people like me, but patient with the difficult ones. You know, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change their hearts and they'll learn the truth. Gently instruct. So the difficult person, they're going to learn a lot by you dropping the hammer on them, raising your voice and screaming and freaking out. Because that's the right thing to do. Well, you might feel better about it. Kinda. You're right. For a very short minute. And then you realize, yeah, that, 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 that wasn't the right approach. When we deal with difficult people, like it or lump it, folks, these are the ones and these are the situations that teach us patience, they teach us kindness, they teach us gentleness. At least they should. Proverbs 15.1, a very familiar verse. A gentle answer, a gentle answer, a gentle answer. Say it with me. A gentle answer deflects anger. But a harsh words make tempers flare. So when you walk in and you're getting yelled at, if you return harsh words with more harsh words, guess what? The chances are it's going to happen. It's going to escalate and it's going to get worse. But when you can stay calm, stay gentle, and you can return harsh words with gentle words, it helps to diffuse the whole thing, right? The pin in the balloon, just the, the whole thing can just start to deflate, right? This is, this is us learning how to be gentle. I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life where you've been in a tense situation and you could have responded with harsh words, but, but that day you were feeling good, you were prayed up, you read the book, you know, and uh, the Holy Spirit moved, and you were able to just stay gentle, and you saw, I, I have physically seen anger come out of people's faces by saying, you know what, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Let's just figure this out together. Let's calm down. And, and let, you know, just, so just say, breathe. Just breathe. You know, and just add some peace to the room. It's a, it's, a, it's a gentle quality that should be in our lives. And so, listen, the more you deal with people, the more you understand that this is true. If you return harsh words with harsh words, the, te the thermometer is going to rise up into the red. Gentleness helps to diffuse people. It helps to calm people down. It's attractive and it's powerful. Use it. Look at 1 Peter uh, 3.9. It says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Just stop right there. That's nuts. Okay? Let's just admit it. That is nuts. Someone is insulting you. They're insulting your mother, your kids, your family, your character, your integrity. And at the end of the conversation, you say, God bless you. And it's not like, God bless you. Or you're so precious. Yeah. You know, this is nuts. This is, this is, 
This is, so, this is why we need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. This is not flesh activity. This is only, only, put that verse up for me again, um, the First Peter 3, 9. It, it, when it says, pay them back with a blessing, this is what God has called you to do. And he will bless you for doing it. So do it. We should just go home. It's over. Just do it. Yeah. So you may not like difficult people. You may not like difficult circumstances. But they can teach you the value. Remember, what is gentleness? It is what? Mm -hmm. So difficult people and difficult circumstances can teach you the value of keeping your strength under control, right? This is one of the ways that we learn gentleness. So those are two simple ways that God forms it in us. And, and then just to wrap up here, what is the purpose of it? What's the point? Why, why do we need to do this? Why should this be growing in our lives? Why does God think this is important? Why should we think it's important, right? The world doesn't think it's important. Why should we? Well, I think it's really clear. There's multiple reasons, but let me just give you two real clear ones. The, one of the purposes of gentleness is to reach those who still need the Lord. It is a powerful, powerful tool in the hands of the Spirit to reach somebody who needs to be saved. So you, look, we know that the purpose of gentleness, it's not to turn us into a doormat, it's not so that people can walk all over us. That, that's not it. That's not it at all. This is, we're talking about power under control, right? Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 25 and 26, when it says this, Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then look at the next verse. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So he's saying, listen, gently instruct these people. Why? Because they, they might come to their senses and be released from the trap of the enemy and get saved, healed, and delivered. That's why you need to be gentle. That's what he's saying. It's really clear. It's, a, it's, a, it's a something that we need in our tool bag to pull out when we need it right? God wants to rescue. He wants to restore. He said his mission, his purpose, the yoke of the Father was put on him to keep him directed to say, you are to seek and to save the lost. You are to go to the cross to be the savior of the world. Christmas is the beginning of the plan of God to save the world, right? So here we have God being very clear, I want you to gently instruct, gently instruct, gently instruct, gently respond, gently respond, gently talk. Do this. Why? Because I want to restore people. I want to, I want to uh, rescue people. I want to seek and save people. And you yelling at them is not helping me to do that. Satan wants to destroy. God wants to bring healing and hope. So responding with gentleness gives the message of the gospel power. Do you understand? It gives the message of the gospel authentic. It's like it makes us authentic. We say that we are changed, transformed, people of the Spirit, and we walk around being unkind, ungentle, unmerciful as everybody else. It's not the way he's called us to be. He said, use this tool. It's powerful. It'll earn you the right to be heard. It'll earn you the right to be heard. They come at you with harsh words. Respond gently. And maybe the Lord will save them and, and get them out of the trap of the enemy, Peter says. It's this quality. Listen, think about it. Think about in your own life. Just, it's such a natural thing. When, when somebody responds to you gently, it sure helps you to respond gently back, does it not? 
When someone yells and screams at you, your own back gets up and you want to yell and scream back. It, people respond favorably to men and women who have a gentle spirit. We're not doormats. We just are keeping our strength under control, right? This is a powerful, powerful tool. So Jesus was gentle, but he was not condemning. Even when the sin in people's lives was so obvious, even when it was so obvious, a woman caught in adultery, obvious, Zacchaeus, filled with all kinds of outrageous sin, obvious, right? And uh, the other one, the Samaritan woman, right? Running around from man to man, living with a man who's not her husband, etc., etc., etc. Sin that is so obvious and he could have called it out and not been wrong, but deals gently with people. Say, let's start here. Oh, we're going to get around to that sin after he builds this repertoire with the woman, right? And she's like, this, this, you know, this man is awesome, you know, takes the Samaritan woman, takes Jesus into the village, right? The, the, woman, the woman caught in adultery at the end, after he shows incredible mercy and incredible gentleness, then he reminds her, oh, don't do this again, right? He gets around to it. We, but I'm just encouraging us. Sometimes we, we want to be, be right too fast. You, you with me? And sometimes a gentle approach is the way to begin. You see it in how Jesus deals with people. Now, it's, it's wrong of us never to get to the truth, never to get around, you know, to the sin. That has to get there. But by walking up to somebody, okay, let's, 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 just, let's just do it. Let's, let's go over to Walmart. Somebody walking down the aisle, say, woman, stop right there. You're, you are full of sin. Your life is dark. You are law. Like, let's just, let's just condemn her right there. And she'll go, I'm so grateful you told me that. I'm so glad. Well, you might find the odd person, but you know what I'm saying. Generally, people respond better to gentleness. And so Jesus shows us this very, very clearly. He says, gently instruct those who are lost so that they may come and see, that they may find faith, that they may be released from the trap of the enemy. His gentleness disarmed people. Do you understand? It, it, he disarmed people with his, with his kindness and with his gentleness. It made them so ready to listen to what he had to say. It made them so open to listen. And this is a tool that we need to use. It is a fruit of the Spirit that is in our lives that needs to be pruned and refined. So it helps us to reach those who need Jesus. And here's the other really obvious thing here. It also helps us to restore believers who fall. It also restores us, our own family, people that know the Lord, but sin has entered into their lives and they've done some really bad things. And sometimes the church is horrible at trying to restore people. We just kick people out and condemn people and make them feel worthless. But Jesus said, no, gentleness is, is, is the ability also to restore somebody who's fallen. It's very clear. Look at Galatians chapter 6. He says it. Dear brothers and sisters, if another, what, believer, not an unbeliever, if another believer is overcome by some sin. You who are godly should say it and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And just be careful not to, not to fall into that temptation yourself, right? Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. Just say this with me out loud. You are not that important. No, you're not. I didn't say it. It's in the Bible. We can't take somebody 
who loves the Lord but falls into sin and discard them like they're trash. It's not appropriate, it's not gentle, and it's not right. He's saying, you who are mature, gently, gently, gently bring them back. Gently help them. Gently restore them, right? Gentleness is this key component to help heal, to help restore believers who are overcome with sin. And so again, you see this, this, this idea again and again and again, that people respond better to humility, people respond better to gentleness than to screaming and condemnation. Somebody who comes humbly and gently will find, will find people will listen rather than the person who goes screaming and condemning. It, it, it happens to unbelievers and to believers as well. Look at Titus chapter 3. It says, Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Gentleness and humility are linked. Gentleness and self-control are linked. People may say, don't be gentle. Don't let others push you around. It's not good for business. But God says this, be gentle. Because when you are, you push people closer to Jesus. World says, don't be gentle because you're going to get pushed around. Jesus says, no, be gentle because you'll push people towards me. Do you see? Power under control. Power under control. So Jesus comes into the world as this perfect example of gentleness, a tiny baby, meek and mild, power under control. It's this gift that's given to us to use for the enrichment of our own lives and to impact others with the love of God. Use it more frequently, my friends. Use it more frequently. And ask the Holy Spirit to continue to grow this deeper into your mind and into your own heart, into your own spirit. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus today, he wants to have one with you. And Isaiah says that we read that a bruised reed he won't break and a flickering candle he, he won't snuff out. Meaning, we, we all feel weak. We all feel vulnerable. We all can feel guilty about the things that we've done or said. All of us at times feel that way. But he's saying, listen, I didn't come to bring condemnation. I came to bring salvation, right? I didn't come to kick people around. I came to rescue those who would accept my message of, of love and favor. For God loves you. God is for you. He is not against you. He sends his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to love the world. He's saying, accept me. I am gentle and I am humble at heart. And if you hear my words and accept, my, and accept me into your life, all of this changes. You become someone that you're not today. Like, just think about, I was thinking about... Uh, it, it flashed back, I think it was like uh, Chronicles of Narnia or something. One of those movies at the end when the lion, uh, what's his name again? Help me out. Aslan. Aslan. And Aslan is, you know, Aslan is the Jesus of the movie. And he's walking, and he's this huge, massive lion. He's walking across the beach, and somebody says something like, whew, man, he's a scary lion. And then the guy goes, yeah, but he's good. And it couldn't... I, Honestly, I, was, I, was, I think I was watching it wherever I was. Tears came to my eyes that day. Like, it just touched me so powerfully that we have Almighty God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who can do whatever He wants, who can say whatever He wants, who has the power, the authority to do and be anything. But He chooses us. He chooses to be gentle to us. He chooses to love us. His power is under control for our benefit. 
He does not treat us like our sin deserves, but he responds to us gently, compassionately, like a father does to his children. This is who he is. He is wonderful. He is almighty God. He is still, by the way, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He can still do what he wants to do, but he is still gentle, gentle, for your sake and for mine. This is a powerful truth. He is gentle. He is not weak. He is not a doormat. Biblical gentleness. Get it in your head today. It is power under control. And when we have our strength and our power under His control, where the yoke of Jesus is on us and we're harnessed together, we can plow fields that can't be plowed. We can do things that can't be done on our own because he gives us power. He gives us vision. He gives us purpose. He gives us direction. He gives us all the things we need to do the things that he's called us to do. And he says, my yoke is easy. It's gentle on you. I'm not treating you like your sin deserves. He is meek and mild and gentle, but strong able to do anything. This is our God. Gentle Jesus. Lion of the tribe of Judah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just stand with me as we close today. Just thank him for a moment. Just speak out your praise to him today. Come on. Lord, you're good. You're lovely and awesome. This has been the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stouffville Pentecostal Church, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. As always, you can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcatcher, including Spotify, Google Play, and the Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a great week. God bless.